Welcome to Hashtag Jazz, the family-friendly Grow a f***ing pair Podcast exclusively about Utah jazz basketball I hate this history class From two of the most Emotionally unstable Guys in the business And now, here are your hosts, Jason Walker and Trey Sanders Hello everybody and welcome back after a considerable break uh, we took, I don't even know exactly how long of a break we took, but two or three months. It was late April, I, I guess. I lost track. Yeah, it was like <laughs> late April or something like that. It was right before the Jazz ended up losing to the Rockets in the first round. So whenever the first round of the playoffs starts, just shortly after that, we had our one of our last podcasts. So it has been a bit of a break, but there wasn't a whole lot of news for a long time in these last couple of weeks. Everything's kind of ramped up, you know, as the offseason hits, the free agency period, and everything gets going, and all of a sudden the Jazz go from a hopeful, you know, player in free agency to one of the winners in free agency. I mean, the Jazz kind of won the, the offseason so hard it hurts, and it kind of gets buried under the Kawhi Leonard and the, you know, the New York Knicks and all that, but the Jazz... Well, all these, you know, big headline names were flying around and the rumors were going. The Jazz quietly had one of the best off-seasons, improving a 50-win team dramatically. You know, and pretty much every part of the Jazz got better in the free agency period. I don't, Trey, what are, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean... I was, uh, I was actually going back through, like, free agency on uh, Real GM... Just like certain years, like uh, there's never been anything like this for the Jazz. Honestly, like the biggest thing we ever had was you know probably since the Hornacek signing back in you know what it was it ninety five ninety six or whatever when we brought him yeah, over via him trade. Like, him or like Carlos Boozer or something like that. Yeah, but even like Carlos Boozer, I don't even think he was that much of a known guy at that time i mean i i don't know because like after a while i i actually kind of went away from the jazz for a minute because it was just painful but you know we'll come back there's darren williams and carlos boozer but yeah um improvements abound for sure especially offensively um i'm not sure how well Boyan is on the defensive end i didn't, I didn't hear much about how good he is or how I guess admirable he is on defense, but I mean, we essentially got another Joe Ingles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's kind of like either another Joe Ingles or kind of another Gordon Hayward. It's that you know, unremarkable yet you know, highly you know, weaponizable white position player that you feel like show up in the NBA every now and again. Although I guess they're not exclusive to white guys, but it just feels like it's because most of the white guys tend to be that kind of archetype. It's possible to be a racist in that way. <laughs> Take two butts off or you haven't thought about anything. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm three and but, a half minutes and they should probably already shut this podcast down. Yeah. Again. <laughs> yeah. So, again, yeah, you, you look at Boyan, probably one of the better uh, free agent signings in a while. You know, and then Mike Conley, probably one of the better acquisitions in franchise history in terms of, you know, trade or free agency signings. So yeah, the Jazz did bring in two really good players. Um, 
I already forgot what you said, so I don't even know if I'm building off of what you said. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I lost, I lost everything after I made those. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, and up until uh, up until we got Jeff Green and Al Davis, which I thought were great. I think I think Jeff Green deserved another year on that contract, especially given the timing, because the timing is the timing is what really just stands out to me. Um, because by the time that Mike Conley's done, we have to pay Donovan Mitchell. Um, you know, we have to give him that contract that he is going to deserve. Um, and you know, at some point, you know, extend Rudy Gobert. You know, this is this is proof in the pudding that the the uh, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert is the is the pillars of the franchise moving forward. The Mike Conley deal, we knew that that was in the works for a long time. It was always in the talks. Um, so that that was a win right from the beginning of everything like that was what set it off i was concerned as to what exactly we were going to do because this free agency period was just nuts what was it the nba gave out three billion dollars in a day (laughs) like it was crazy yeah so that that was the thing like once the jazz got mike conley i was kind of sitting back thinking all right we'll be good you know obviously I, i had no clue what was in store for exactly how everything was going to shape, but you had, you had kind of the general idea. The Kyrie and Katie, the Nick, or to the Nets, didn't really surprise too much in the end. But like I was thinking, all right, we've got our three players. You know, we've got Joe Ingles. Maybe if we bring in a decent power forward, uh, it was probably along the lines of a Jeff Green. I was thinking, hopefully, maybe a little better, but you know, try not to get our hopes up too much. You know, because there's only so much cap space to work cap space to work with and the jazz are still not really considered one of the best free agent destinations but when i started hearing those boyan rumors and they started getting hotter and hotter and then all of a sudden i heard the jazz sign them and i was like holy crap like they, they pulled it off again they got even better somehow and i mean you mentioned boyan i don't know about his defense but the thing is the jazz you can say got worse on defense maybe theoretically but any negative they got on defense any worse they got on defense is dwarfed by how much better they are on offense now yeah like Quinn mm-hmm. snyder probably hasn't slept a night since they signed boyan because he keeps thinking of new ways that he can use his lineup for different offensive plays and offensive sets and he just can't get sleep he has to keep writing stuff down and he's probably just making him as giddy as all the old jazz fans are for the potential that this offense has in just everything. Again, you get, if anything, you get slightly worse on defense and astronomically better on offense, which is exactly what, you know, jazz fans wanted. We were willing to take a little bit of defensive, a bit of a hit defensively to get that jump into the top 10, top five offense. If if that's what it took. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you kind of stole the words right out of my mouth. I mean, I remember when we when I saw the Boyan news, uh, I was like, holy crap, Quinn Snyder's going to have a field day. I'm sure he's just like doing that Mr. Smithers thing, like, yes. <laughs> Thinking about like all the schemes he can run, especially on offense. I mean, and having Mike Conley at the helm, I mean, I even tweeted it, I even tweeted it out. It's like, it's going to be glorious to watch what Conley's going to be able to do in his system. And not only that, like Donovan Mitchell is going to get even better because he's not like he's still going to be the number one option, but he's not going to have to have the ball in his hands to make it happen. 
you know, he can he can get those spot up shots. Joe Ingles isn't gonna have you know he's not gonna have to be a primary ball handler as the you know that power or that point forward. Um, Bojan's gonna alleviate some of that for him as well. I mean, it's just awesome. Yeah, and, and when you look at just what the Jazz really blew on offense, like the front office nailed this off season so well it almost hurts, just with yeah. how much they did. Like if you look at you know a dream off season, like in my case, what I thought. <clears throat> would have been like a, a dream off season. You get another dynamic score. Check. Mike Conley. It, was he the best dynamic score you could have brought in? No, but he fits the bill definitely well enough. 20 point per game guy. Can get his own bucket. I mean, one of his nicknames is like Mr. Clutch or Captain Clutch. I don't know exactly. I'm not a huge Mike Con- Conley follower, at least not until now. But I mean, mm. you go down the list again. Find more shooting check you know somebody who can replace Derek favors should you let him go you know check maintain depth check i mean we're getting to the little things now with maintaining depth we were kind of expecting to lose some depth and not have as many good players on the bench but then also one of the the underrated ones uh you touched on this you know taking a load off of joe ingles being able to move joe ingles to the bench so that he can come off you know, come off the bench, still be like a 24, 25 minute per game guy because he's going to be a primary contributor to this team, but have him be a sixth man who can really make an impact off the bench running the second unit and being a very reliable player that way. Because as we talked about a lot late mm-hmm. last season, Joe Ingles was feeling it, and it was hurting his performance, the fact that he's played like three or four straight seasons of 82 games. And in these last two years, he's been a starter. So it was starting to wear on him, and so taking some of the load off of him as he gets older, he can still be an awesome contributor, and he'll be in the closing lineup. It'll be you know Conley, Mitchell, Ingles, Boyan, you know, those will kind of intermingle as the, the forwards there, and then Rudy Gobert. So obviously he'll still be a huge contributor, but being able to take a load off him, it's kind of like Donovan Mitchell, what you were saying. You take a load off Donovan Mitchell so he can be better. You also take a bit of a load off of Joe Ingles so he can be better. It just a lot, It just frees everyone up so much, and it frees Rudy Gobert up. Mike Conley's going to have a field day with all the teammates he has. So it's just everybody's getting better because they have so much around them. There's the shooting. There's just the talent around. So it just allows everybody to be better that way. So I, I just love all, you know. So again, going back, the, the front office just nailed everything. Anything a Jazz fan could have wanted, short of bringing in, you know, Kawhi Leonard and Kevin Durant, this front office was able to do. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I want to be a little bit cynical here, but I mean, what's his name? Justin Zanuck. Yeah. Um, you know, he had a he had a hell of a first uh, first off season free agency. I'm just, I'm hoping that he can maintain this level of just go get attitude and do this consistently because now that, you know, now that uh, Dennis Lindsay is now VP, obviously he still has to answer to him and they go, you know, they bounce off of one each other and what they want to do with ideas. But Justin Zanuck, I mean, yeah, he knocked it out of the park. I just, I, there's like that cynical side of me is just like, okay, he had that great, great like home run to start this off what they, you know, what's he going to follow this up with? I know that that's way into the future, but that's still like that kind of is a little concerning to me. Like, what happens if we drop off? Because now, despite you know, 
we, we, I wouldn't say we've become a destination city quite yet. I think that we've broken into that conversation a lot more. But even, you know, with, um, I can't remember his name, just signed with uh, the 76ers, Tobias Harris, you know, that, that whole thing of him even considering the fact that he would come here, that was a huge step. I mean, you wouldn't hear about free agents of his caliber saying that a long time ago, even, you know, a year ago. And now we've kind of broken into that mold. There was someone else, too. Didn't D'Angelo Russell say that he would play here? Yeah, I, th- I think there was interest from D'Angelo Russell, and there was interest from uh, Tobias Harris. So there were several kind of second-tier free agents who were really considering Utah. Like, there was definite interest, and had the cards fallen a different way, the mm-hmm. Jazz probably would have ended up with either D'Angelo Russell or maybe even Tobias Harris. Just, you know, again, had they not gone after Boyan and gotten Mike Conley and whatnot. Those guys would have been on the table and could very well be wearing jazz uniforms in a in a alternate universe. Sure, and it's still huge. Regardless, that those guys were even you know they had them in the conversation. Like I want to play in Utah. That's 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 awesome. But um, and I, I I do hats off to Justin Zanuck because this is like we've said before, and plenty of people throughout the media. This is the most successful offseason the Jazz have ever had, and it's really nice to be a Jazz fan. What is crazy to me is like the dominoes just fell and fell, and it was great that he was pulling the trigger when he needed to. He had kind of you know either Plan B or C to follow this up with the Boyan signing, the uh, Davis signing. Um, I'm still on the fence about Emmanuel Moutier as our backup, but you know his agent was like, "Oh, they have a really good development program," which to you know that speaks a lot to us as well. Um, because people have said about us for years, we are the mecca of developing players. Yeah. When kind of to touch on the the point you brought up about worrying if Zana can keep this up, that's a definite worry because a few years ago, Danny Ainge was a god of GMs. And what is he now? Hmm. Like the, the Celtics were this, you know, the popular pick to be the next dynasty. And now everyone else, literally everyone else has taken their place because they haven't developed their players well enough or at least maybe they're just a few years behind still because jason tatum i i I still think he'll be an all right player but you know guys like jalen brown marcus smart and i don't know probably four or five other picks that have that they've managed to pick up they haven't really panned out into the type of guys that you'd expect to build a dynasty around and then Kyrie irving left Mm -hmm. Uh, gordon hayward that situation was kind of out of his control al horford left so you had a few years ago, God of General Managers Danny Ainge is now he's still an all right GM, just hasn't panned out right. So you hit one home run, you got to keep hitting him. It's just, so it's obviously hard to follow up. I mean, I don't know if it, you necessarily need to keep keep hitting the home runs. I think you yeah. just need to consistently like make the right moves. Like what calls for that certain situation? What piece is missing that we can fill that void? I'm still a little worried about our depth in the long run because i mean we don't have that many pieces like really on paper if you look at it you're kind of relying on your starters a lot and if any one of us goes down you know it's going to be a lot of stress i still think yeah joe ingles should come off of the bench behind royce o'neill royce o'neill should be the starter because he's younger he's and arguably better defensively than joe ingles mostly because of his lateral quickness but i've just is there anything – do we have any money or room to kind of move some other pieces and get some other role players? So from what I'm hearing and what I 
basically what I'm hearing is what I'm seeing on Twitter and a couple other places is that the Jazz are looking for a wing. They're just looking maybe get another wing. And to be honest, I like where we're at in terms of depth right now. Obviously, I'd like to see another quality piece, but you know, you're looking at so there's the starters. So well, the starters right now, from what I'm assuming, and there's some disagreement here. I've seen two or three different starting lineups projected. But the one I think the Jazz may end up going with, pending some major signing or trade or whatever, would be Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Boyan Bogdanovich, Jeff Green, and Rudy Gobert. And then your bench, your immediate backups are Dante Exum, Royce O'Neal, Joe Ingles. I'm not sure they – I guess George's Niang would be the next guy. Um, and then Rudy Gobert. And then after that, kind of your third guys, Emmanuel Moutier, who I've heard very much is going to be the third point guard behind Exum, and then, I don't know if the Jazz have, see, I mean, they got Tony Bradley behind Rudy Gobert, I don't know if they have third guys of the two, three, or four right now, that'll mm -hmm. kind of be up, to, I, don't, I don't I don't know how many roster spots I'm up to after naming all those guys off, so you look at guys like maybe some of the second round picks, or some of the guys, maybe if they bring in Willie Reed, or Gerald Brantley, and uh, Justin Wright Foreman, and then the other pick whose name I can't say yet, so yeah, I think it's Myoni. Myoni, okay. I think I have no idea. <laughs> so you're looking at those guys, kind of to fill out those the last you know kind of dregs of the roster. But I think in terms of going ten men deep, we're all right. Obviously, if you have injuries, depth kind of goes out the window because you're sure. already hurting just anyway, no matter who you are. You know, missing a starter mm -hmm. that's a hole in your lineup for however long it is. And that's just kind of the nature of being a great team. I mean, the Warriors lost the finals because they were injured. Or at least they definitely lost the finals because they were injured. If they'd have had them, I don't know. Who knows what would have happened. But, you know, that, that's obviously a worry, you know, injuries. But I'm confident as long as nobody tears their ACL or, you know, their Achilles or something, the Jazz should be fine depth-wise. And we will be better off than a lot of the other teams in the Western Conference, especially the Lakers and also partly the Clippers and then also the Rockets. So I think that's that's why I say I think the Jazz really were able to keep their depth because they've got, you know, several of their bench players are former starters. So. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, and, and you know... <laughs> I don't think XM is is a is a guard. I just don't. I think that they need to give up on this whole thing that he's a six 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 guard. He's better as a wing. I don't think that he is really. I mean, he could pass. We've seen it. We've seen him do some lobs to Rudy. He's you know he's developed that. But I just don't see him as a guard anymore. And on that note too, I'm really like with XM staying. This should be the end of his leash. If he gets injured again and can't stay healthy for at least half of the season into the playoffs, he's done. We need to get rid of him because it's just ridiculous. I know that they tr they that they believe in him, but how freaking long does it take for him to like stay healthy and prove himself? Yeah, I think there's some sentimentality because I think Dennis Lindsay. I think that was one of his first drafts was when he picked up Exum, and so he doesn't want to give up on him. Even though he's he's proven himself beyond that, we've all kind of forgiven him for drafting a guy who's injury prone and will never live up to his hype. Even if he does stay healthy the rest of his career, 
he'll probably never manage to live up to that. But right. I, I kind of disagree in terms of him being a guard. I think I think he can play the wing. He could play whatever he wants. So in in that way, I guess I don't disagree. But his main thing as a pick and roll guy is really nice. But again, he could probably do that from a wing position. So mm-hmm. he could play whatever he wants. I just think well, he can play guard. Let's just stick him at guard. If you want to stick him in a lineup with where he's with maybe Moutier and O'Neal, maybe you stick him in a two or a three, whatever. It's just it's those guys who can play multiple positions. He can play three if you really wanted for a couple of seconds to play him at the four. I guess you know that's quite the risk, but you know do what you want. He could probably defend a handful of fours out there, some of the really mm-hmm. light ones, like I don't know Marvin Williams or something. <laughs> but he, he can definitely play three positions. So if you wanted him to stick at one of those three, then sure. But I, I think Dennis Lindsay thinks of him as a guard. Although I think Quinn Snyder probably agrees more with you that he's a shooting guard. I think that's where Snyder thinks he should be playing. So, again, we'll see. And, and for me, like, I've already kind of jumped off of Exum Island. I've kind of set my sail and gone off to greener pastures. Um, so for me, it's just a... If he's healthy, he's healthy. If not, you have Moutier. And for me, I know when I first looked at Moutier, I went to his box score and I was like, oh, this is a nice pickup. And then literally everything I've heard since then has been negative towards Moutier. So the fact that a dude who can score 14 points a game has gotten nothing but negative remarks is an enormous red flag. Mm-hmm. But from speaking from almost zero experience around Moutier, if there's a guy like that who can be a spark off the bench, that's a good place for him. You know, for whatever negatives he has, and again, I've not really done a deep dive into this, but if he can come in, just be a spark, he's a situational guy, just come in, do your thing while Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell are off the court, and then get off and let us get back on the train, I think that's a really good role for a guy like that, who has plenty of faults, but he can do one thing, and that's put the ball in the bucket. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it will come back full circle. I mean, Quinn Snyder is going to have all different types of rotations and schemes for all of these guys. And it's really nice. And I, and, um, who was it? Uh, was it David Locke, I think, or was it Spence Checkets? I can't remember. Uh, but they were saying that they really liked the idea that the Jazz will now be switching defensively, which we've never, you know, we haven't seen in like two to three years at this point. Like they switch here and there if it's like the situation calls for it. Um, and it's, I mean, it's going to be nice because now that we can move with a little more speed laterally and up and down the court, that's going to help a lot. Um, but I still think that there's going to be something he's going to have to do because the defense in, in the interior at this point comes down to Ru- Rudy solely. So, and he's not going to be your switching position. He's going to be that dropped uh, that dropped big, which we saw a lot of last year, but. Um, and I, I know this is out of place, but I'm still I'm still a little uh, sad about favors, but it, it had to happen. Everybody's sad about favors. I'm still sad. It's just we all knew it was coming, especially once you know the boy on signing is like yeah. nothing you can mm-hmm. do. We we knew he was gone, and as much as we all love him, it, it was kind of that necessary loss. Yeah, and I think he's going to do great, in New Orleans man. He's going to be awesome for him. Yeah, that's the, thing, that's the one thing I was looking forward to with Favors leaving is that he would get a chance, and we've both said this mm-hmm. before, is that he's going to get his chance, you know, to have his day to really show off. You know, here he's been under the shadow of Rudy Gobert, 
but he's going to go somewhere, be a starter, and really show off the skills that he's been showing off to us, but in a, you know, at a bigger scale and in a bigger role. So best of luck to Derek Famers, man. Absolutely. So I want to talk about as far as like where the Jazz sit in the Western Conference. The Western Conference is just ridiculous this year. I think we thought that a couple years ago. Now it really is ridiculous. Right. Yeah. And I think right now the the term that just goes perfectly with Utah right now was underrated. I mean, they're the most underrated team in the NBA. They have the most underrated stars, like with you know Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, and even Mike Conley. They have the most underrated role players. You look at Joe Ingles, Boyan, and all these different guys. The most underrated front office. The most underrated head coach. You know, the most underrated potential as a team overall. Just everything about the Utah Jazz is underrated. Just every little thing that's there about the Jazz, people are overlooking. And there have been people, you know, you'll see on Twitter or Facebook, or whatever, of guys like, you know, hey, like national outlets saying, you know, look at the Jazz's starting lineup. You know, Conley and Mitchell and Boyan and, and Rudy Gobert. Then, you know, they'll ask, like, you know, how many starting lineups are better than Utah's? And you go in the comments and people are like, yeah, like six. There's like six teams in the West that have like a better lineup than the Jazz. And I'm like, really? I can think of two. And those are because it has like LeBron and AD and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And now Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. So like three, and those are mostly off of the strength of two players anyway. Like top to bottom, one through five, I think the Jazz have the best starting lineup in the NBA. Hmm. I can go with that. And with the KD thing, he's not even going to be he's not even going to play next year. So, have yeah, fun so with that, Brooklyn. Yeah, so, <laughs> that so there's two teams in the West that have a star-studded lineup, and that's one of the reasons why the Jazz are overlooked. It's it's understandable to a degree. They don't have this, you know, top 5 star-studded lineup. They have, you know, a couple of top 30 players in Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. Uh, I don't have a mental top 30, so I don't know if Mike Conley fits in there. He probably does, I don't know. Now, he fits the bill of a top 30 player. And then Rudy Gobert, depending on who you ask, is a top 10 player. At worst, he's top 15. At best, he's top 10. So, but still, they're not these tier one guys like Kawhi Leonard and Kevin Durant and LeBron James and yada, yada, yada. So people kind of ignore them or at least just don't notice. That's why I said the Jazz quietly had the best offseasons because they grabbed all of these B plus A minus guys while people were scrambling over two or three A-plus players. And so now the Jazz have, like, an entire lineup of B-plus to A-level players. And so they have a top-to-bottom really good starting lineup. They're really only yeah. weakness as far as starting lineup would be power forward. I mean, Jeff Green. He's okay, but he's not exactly a high-level player. Sure, I mean, he's solid, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it just kind of fits the mold is just how we're kind of always overlooked. It's par for the course, if you will. I just like, you know, Mike Conley has been overlooked his entire career, but look at how successful he's been. I mean, is it not just as an individual, but what he did in Memphis with, you know, all those guys. Now, I mean, obviously that's not a thing anymore. The, the grindhouse days are done, but I mean... Mike Conley, everyone you talk to, I'm sure, will say that Mike Conley is deadly. He's great on defense. He's great just not not as an individual defender, but as a team defender. He's great at moving his feet. He's great at being in position. 
Boyan, I can't speak to that. Um, but at the same time, it's going to be covered up because of the defensive schemes that Quinn Snyder runs. And Donovan Mitchell, people are going to be sleeping on him for a little bit, but I guarantee this next season he is going to flourish under uh, with Mike Conley beside him and Bojan. I mean, get, let's get real here. And Rudy, I think he's just going to have just as much impact, if not more, this year because Conley's going to be at the helm. Uh, Bojan's another ball movement guy. He could pass. Joe Ingles could pass. We know that. It's like... You know, we we sacrificed this continuity in terms of the chemistry that we had the past two seasons to get something that is going to be almost rejuvenating in a way. So yeah, yeah, have your KD, have your LeBron James and your AD and Boogie and which I thought was hilarious by the way that he didn't have a market until LA was like, oh no, we need someone. <laughs> but I just thought that was hilarious. Uh, but I mean, honestly. Aside from, I, I would say, the Clippers at this point, yeah, I think it's the Clippers and the Jazz that have the best starting lineups at this point. Because yeah. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard together on the floor, that is incredible perimeter defense. That's that's just ridiculous. And the other thing, we don't have all this money that these big markets do, but look at what we managed to do with the amount of money we had. I mean, it's going to be awesome. I'm so excited for the season. Yeah, one thing you touched on that I really want I want to touch on real quick um... – it's kind of the starting lineup, or really what might be the closing lineup. You mentioned Rudy Gobert having an increased uh, impact. The Jazz might have the literal scariest pick-and-roll lineup in the history of the NBA. Oh, yeah. Because you have that closing lineup, Mike Conley, Mitchell, Ingles, and Boyan. All four of those guys are really good pick-and-roll ball handlers, like 80th-plus percentile. And you have Rudy Gobert, one of the best pick-and-roll roll men, so, like, you could just go with anybody. Like, you you roll that lineup out in the last two minutes of a close game, and you see, all right, who's the weakest defender on the court? All right, it's the, it's the other shooting guard. All right, we're going to pick on him. Donovan, take the ball, roll with it. You know, maybe another game. It's the small forward. All right, Joe Ingles or Boyan or whoever we're technically playing at small forward. All right, you take the ball. It's your turn to run pick and roll. And, and they're just going to murder it to death. Like, there's no way you can stop it because – it doesn't matter if you can switch. Like we'll just give it to the guy who has the weak matchup and attack it. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm just I'm super excited. That's probably one of the things Snyder's giddy over is just the the ability to run pick and roll just so much and so well. In addition to shooting, in addition to everything else, it's just it, it, I, I can't express how crazy this offense could be. And again, it's not like you're bringing in like five Michael Jordans or whatever to run your offense, because that would just be you know a different level. But the scheme that the Jazz are going to be able to have is going to be incredible. It could be a top five offense. Could very well be a top yeah. five offense. Yeah, which we wouldn't have even thought of last year. I mean, to come back to the pick and roll a little bit, we we ran the most pick and roll of any team in the NBA. And I don't know how the success rate was. Probably really, really good. But yeah, I mean, we have that plus the dribble handoffs or the handoffs we have that Quid Snyder runs to the T. And we got the num- we got the most open shots of any team in the NBA as well. I mean, yeah, it'd be it's gonna be awesome. <laughs> yeah, all the catch and shoot threes and all the wide open oh, yeah. threes. Like, I think part of the wide open threes and catch and shoot threes were because they were leaving the guys open on purpose. But Still, we're going to have a lot of a lot more open shots, or well, maybe 
the fewer open shots, but we're going to be able to make those shots at a much, much, much higher clip. When you're replacing Derek Favors and Ricky Rubio and Jay Crowder, who combined, I think, shoot like 29%, and, or maybe like 30% from three, and they're, they're all between like 20 and 33%, you're replacing those guys with Mike Conley and Boyan and Jeff Green, who are all like 35% and above. Jeff Green might be like 33. He's like, okay, that's why he's he's going to be the starter technically, but he's going to be like a 22-minute-per-game starter. So, at least that's, again, that's what my projection is. But again, like, back to what you were saying on the, uh, just the offseason, what the Jazz were able to do. Like, we had cap space for one max space. We used it on Mike Conley. But then we brought in another guy who, in the right free agent market, might have been able to get a max contract. Probably not this one, just because there was a lot of attention on other guys. And But he's an 18-point-per-game guy. Like We've seen guys like that get a lot bigger contracts in the NBA. I mean, Terry Rozier got, like, what, $58 million or something like that? Stupid million. deal. Yeah, that, that was just... like Somebody could have offered Boy on a stupid deal like that. Yeah. You know, or it would be basically a max deal, which Boyan's probably not worth, but it's whatever the market's willing to pay, and the Jazz brought him in on an affordable contract. And, you know, he's a great player. And then, you know, again, they were able to add Jeff Green, a decent starter. Ed Davis, a quality backup, who's going to offer rim protection. He's going to basically replace what Derek Favors was as a backup in terms of rim protection. Not quite the same, obviously, because... Favors is a starting caliber center, and Ed, Ed Davis is not. But you're going to get enough. Enough of that replacement that we're going to be fine. So, again, it, it just goes back to how well this off this front office did, which it every time I think about it, it's got to kind of shake my head and say, oh, holy crap, I don't know how you managed to do it. But, like, every Jazz fan is just absolutely stoked for this upcoming season. They just can hardly wait. And this time we actually have a good reason because I think we were this excited about this past season and uh, that didn't turn out too well. Yeah, well, I mean, and we talked about this, you know, even before the, I think at the end of the season when we got, when we lost to Houston, it was just like, you know, we all bought into the idea of that chemistry that we had at the end of the season prior. So, I mean, we're all guilty of it, Jazz fans alike, you know, you and I, but, you know, it was also because we loved those guys so much. And now that we've, you know, we've had to part ways with those pieces, the idea that we've filled these voids. I mean, Bojan's a 40% career three-point shooter. He's a good ball handler. We've got Mike Conley, who is Mr. Reliable in every sense of the word. I mean, teams are going to have to scout every single position and as our starting lineup and it's that's a scary thought for a lot of people um i I think that this is just something that we can escalate to have that kind of um excitement over because we haven't seen this in a long time i mean we how often have you seen your phone go off about all these different signs and trading and the trades that we've gotten over the off season like i can't think of any never yeah, normally we spend our time in the you know trading periods and pre-draft and free agency and all that, seeing all these other teams signing. You know, so and so signs this player and so and so signs this player. But you know, I'm looking at my phone, scrolling through Twitter at four, uh, four o'clock Mountain Time or whatever it was on 
June 30th. And I'm scrolling down and see, all right, there's a Jazz rumor. All right, we're looking to sign you know, the Jazz are in contention to sign Boyan or whatever. And so you're just seeing all these Jazz rumors, and even the days preceding, like every other day there was a rumor, like Tobias Harris, uh, D'Angelo Russell, or whoever. There's like six different names mm-hmm. that just kept going off. Nikola Miritich was another one, which I don't know how I managed to be, you know, there was some disappointment, I think, with Nikola Miritich. And then somehow we managed to fall off of rebound off of the Nikola Miritich to Boyan, who, in my opinion, is infinitely better. Yeah. In terms of fit and scheme. Like that—that's that's probably the craziest thing I've ever seen. Like, you know, with the Jazz, like Miritich was like the exact kind of signing we've always had to be excited about. This, you know, mid-tier free agent who could work out well if he fits all right. To suddenly we're signing. Borderline All Stars and Boyan Bogdanovich. I don't know how close Bogdanovich actually was to being an All Star. Um, I don't. Know, he's probably pretty close. I mean, the guy is the guy is really really good. Um, he's also, he's, he's not, also in the East, so yeah, I mean, the East. But you still have your talented people out there, obviously. But yeah, obviously. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be great. Um, I was going to say this is kind of like to me to this is like a a pivot. For a, not a pivot, that's the wrong word. What am I? I can't think of the word. Um, but this is kind of, huh? Transition. Transition. Yeah, I would say because we got Conley for the, the last two years of his uh, of his contract. I think that this is this season and into the next is kind of where we see like the springboard of where the Jazz will be, um, not just nationally, but in the minds of other players in future free agencies. This is going to be the chance for the not just the organization, but the team as a whole, those players, to show we're here to win, and we want to win a championship. I mean, Donovan Mitchell has been on his media tour talking about how he doesn't like the small market. He loves being in Utah. He loves the challenge of being here. Damian Lillard is saying that in Portland. I mean, this is going to be kind of like the proof of the pudding, if you will, for this season and into next. I think it's awesome. I think that's the big thing, you know, with Donovan Mitchell, you know, saying he likes a small market team, you know, doesn't care about being in a big market, you know. I think just the biggest key is being a contender. Because if you're a contender, mm-hmm. like in today's NBA, doesn't matter what market you're in. Like Golden State, not a huge, like not as big a market as like the LAs and all that. But people, Kevin Durant was willing to go to, you know, Oakland. You know, teams are willing or players are now more willing to go to these smaller markets if those markets are going to get them a ring. Because yeah. winning that ring is more valuable than being a loser in a big market. Because and, and maybe a team, a player will want to, he'll win a championship in a smaller market and then he'll maybe make his jump to a big market. You know, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, I guess, was trying to do that. Um in Oklahoma City before he jumped to L.A. But, you know, and that's the thing, kind of going back to you mentioning Justin Zanuck as far as maintaining this this ride, the second the Jazz present themselves as not a contender or, you know, not really in the running, that's when they stop being any kind of free agent destination. Mm-hmm. Because teams don't want to go to a small market that's also a losing team or a not good enough team. And I think that might be the key when you look a couple years down the road 
when Mike Conley, his contract is up and he'll probably be a little too old to be worth paying anymore, at least anything close to what he's getting now, the Jazz might need to transition to another star. And if they're a contending team, they could bring one in realistically. Because maybe they'll be two or three years into a run where they're winning close to 60 games and they're in the Western Conference Finals. Heck, they might even be in the Finals. They might have a chance to transition into another, like kind of, you know, do a quick reload where you still got Gobert and Mitchell. So that's the thing. As long as the Jazz are a contender, they're a destination. The second they're not, doesn't matter. Because, like, you look at L.A. and, like, the Lakers and the, and the Knicks, <clears throat> people were saying, you know, they're a destination team, they're a destination team. Well, what have they brought in? I mean, sure, you, you got uh, – the Lakers have managed to get LeBron James at the twilight of his career. And the Pelicans traded Anthony Davis. That's about the sum of free agency for L.A. and the Knicks in the past, like, ten years. And people are saying they're this destination market. Well, it's really just when they can be a talented, contending team. That's when they really become a destination market. Because the Knicks just missed out on everyone. Oh, man, did the Knicks just... Wow. Did yeah. they screw up this whole offseason. <laughs> yeah. And where did those guys go? They still went to New York, but they went to the team that was actually going to be a contender when they went there. Right. It made perfect basketball sense for them to go to the Nets because you're going to have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Again, it's going to be kind of a next year, you know, 2020-2021 deal when Kevin Durant comes back from his Achilles, but they're a team that they, they get into the second round? Or is it, were they the first round with the 76ers? Second. I think it was the second. Yeah, so they were taking the 76ers. They took it to them for a, like a game or two, and then they ended up losing in I think five or six games. But they look like the fun, hip, young team in New York, and now they have two superstars. And the Knicks are left with Julius Randle and um, who else did they sign? Like three other power forwards. I can't remember. I don't know. <laughs> Nobody relevant. That's the important thing. And the Jazz made off with Mike Conley and Boyan Bogdanovich, and they're in the middle of the Wasatch Mountains. So... Again, it's about being a contending team. I think we touched on this a while back, but that's what it's about. And again, the Jazz are going to be—they have a chance to be the one seed, depending on how load management and injuries and just the madness of the regular season turns out. And that's kind of scary. I think the Jazz have been the one seed like once or twice. Twice it was the two was, finals, two final seasons. Yeah, so they were like sixty. Yeah, or it was three. Sixty-two win. It's possible they lost in the Western Conference Finals. Let's see, there's ninety-five, ninety-six, ninety-six, ninety-seven, and ninety-seven, ninety-eight. Because they were second in ninety-five, ninety-six, so it was. Yeah. I'm trying to look it up real quick. Yeah, I think they were yeah, they were first in the Western Conference, 96-97, and in and in 97-98. So they also had the, I think they had the best record in 97-98, maybe even the year prior, probably since they won 64 games. God, what a team! <laughs> and and this team, I I highly doubt they could get 
I don't think they're going to win 60 games just because of how tough the West is going to be. I mean, you look mm -hmm. at the Lakers are still going to be a challenge um, just because when you have stars, they can go off and they'll win your, I guess in the Jazz case, they'll end up losing your games, you know, LeBron or AD. So, and you know, you've also got the Nuggets and the Mavericks now with Chris Apps coming back and they're going to be better. And the Pelicans are going to be surprisingly good. And the Kings, I think, are going to be better. Like, you look at every team in the in the, in the the NBA, it just feels like they've gotten better. Except for maybe a handful. Like, I don't think the Suns got any better. No, no, they did not. <laughs> so, like, the, the teams that got worse, you're looking at. So, I guess the Suns either just didn't get better or they got worse somehow. The Warriors obviously got worse. The Thunder got worse. And the Timberwolves will kind of, I don't know, they'll probably just stay the same. But, you know, teams that got better. I think the Nuggets will get marginally better. They're bringing in some young guys. And Michael Porter Jr. is coming back. And if he's anything of the, he used to be a projected number one pick. Um, so you have him coming back. The, the Trailblazers got better. Um, I don't know about the Spurs. The Clippers obviously got better. I think the Kings got better. The Lakers got better. And the Pelicans, I think, will be probably just better by committee especially since last year they didn't have a lot of anthony davis anyway so a, a lot of teams are getting better along with the jazz so yep. seeing them win 10 more games is a little extreme but seven or eight's not you know not outside the realm of possibility yeah, it's going to be a crazy thing to watch because, yeah, well, yeah, uh, you said it, I think, top of the episode, like the West got – the West is seriously stacked now. Yeah, and the one thing I want to say is that a couple of years ago we had NBA writers trying to convince us that Warriors-Cavs Part 17 was good for the NBA. And it was like really like – that to me was one of the down points of my NBA fandom. Granted, it's only been going for about like, like I'm 25, so like it's really since like 2008-ish when I've been a serious fan, and that was one of the low points. Yeah. You know, like one of the high points was like the Spurs Heat series. You know, the Thunder Heat series. Those are pretty fun. Uh, the first Spurs Heat series when you know like Ray Allen hit his shot and all that, and then the Warriors. Cavs like the second time we're like coming back from the 3-1 that was awesome then it just kept getting more and more boring now the NBA is going to be super exciting because you have small market teams that are going to be good you have big market teams that are going to be really good and just as a basketball fan that LA rivalry between the Clippers and Lakers it's going to be fun to watch just, yeah. just, sit, just sit back and watch Clippers and Lakers fans go at each other with four of the best, like, eight players in the NBA going at each other. And, like, three of the top five. That'll be fun. And it'll be more fun because we know the Jazz could beat both of those teams. Right. That'll, that'll probably be the funnest part of the whole thing. Is knowing that we'll watch these two teams and be like, yeah, the Jazz are the one seed. They're better than both these teams. It would be nice. I mean, I'm not going to say that that's going to happen, but, you know, let, let's hold out hope. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. That's all we got is hope. Obviously, the Jazz could somehow manage to get everybody injured and end up being like the 10th seed just because that would be our luck. But for now, 
for a franchise that has all of zero championships, we can at least hope that we'll be the one seed next year, get to the finals. This is our best chance in like three decades. Right. So yep. we might as well try and embrace it while we have the chance and just hope that nothing goes horribly wrong because we know it can. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, that's about all we got for this week. Uh, there's more stuff we can talk about. I don't even think we got into – I think we touched on our, the second-round picks that could fill out the roster, but we'll go over that. There's a summer league that we'll end up probably end up talking about in the next couple of weeks. So we'll, we'll get back going for a couple of episodes here, and then it, things will kind of die off again because August is a thing. Or just – I guess it isn't a thing in the NBA. Uh, news really dies down in August, but – then the NBA season will get going. We'll be off for, I think, season three of our podcast. I think it's season three. Wow. Yeah, season so. three. Two, two and on, a half. Yeah, we're, we're closing in on 50 episodes, I think. Wow. So, we'll see. We'll probably do some 50th episode special. Unless this is episode 50, that would be weird. Because then we won't, <laughs> be able to, <laughs> we won't be able to do a celebration. But anyway, thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you guys next time. Go Jazz.